For today's strong cast, Kelly Jane Torres and Jason Rosa, two of my favorite journalists, the journalists of integrity, of honor, and they tell it like it is and leave it up to you to come to your own conclusion. They join us to discuss what else? The new tax bill. Finally, it's going to pass. But what is the impact? that it's going to have on you, me, and everybody else. That's what we're going to talk about on this edition of The Strongcast, which is up next. Jonah. Is your current mortgage rate 4% or less? Call United Security Financial today. Rates are excellent and property values are increasing. Are you looking to get equity from your home, lower your interest rate, remove mortgage insurance, or consolidate debt? Think United Security Financial. Call today and speak with a mortgage advisor. Call them at 1-800-373-4186. Hello everyone, I'm Armstrong Williams and welcome to another Strongcast. And thank you so much for joining us. Listen, I gotta tell you, I have two of my favorite journalists on the air, Kelly Jane Torrance from the Weekly Standard and Jason Russell from the Washington Weekly. Um, is it the Washington Weekly? Weekly Examiner, I'm just giving you a hard time. But anyhow. <laughs> I got a needle on him every now and then. But you know, I, I, everybody wants to talk about um, the tax bill. And it's couched in either for the rich, and it devastates the poor, it's the left and right. And we never really talk about the substance of the tax plan. And I think we owe it to the American people, especially the younger generation, to sit down and have an intelligent dialogue to talk about the tax plan. So I'm going to start with Jason, because you're a residential economist. Explain adding $1.4 trillion to the deficit. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's not great, obviously. I mean, but that is what the bill is going to do. Essentially, it'll cut taxes and in other ways, it'll raise taxes because it's going to get rid of a lot of deductions. Um, but for most people, I think most people are going to see tax cuts, uh, including in the middle class uh, over the next 10 years or so, basically. And uh, for the most part, since the corporate business tax rate is going to drop from almost 40 percent all the way down to 20 percent, uh, and that's going to be simplified a lot. So there's going to be a lot of less red tape for corporations, too. Uh, you're going to see a big increase in wages uh, and, and job growth for everyone. So I think uh, everyone's going to end up being a winner here in this tax deal. You know, does it surprise you that not since Reagan, there's been an overhaul of taxes? It's kind of incredible, isn't it, Armstrong? It is. And and what what is also amazing is that the Reagan era changes were bipartisan. You know, you actually had... Bill Bradley. Exactly. Senator I Bryan. mean, it was incredible. You, know, you, you actually Brad. had, you know, Reagan gave this speech uh, uh, talking about what he wanted to do, and then the, the Democratic response actually said, hey, you guys, this sounds great. Call me, call all of your, your congressmen and let them know that you want to do this. And this is something you'd never see now. And, and you know, things have become sort of, you know, more more partisan over the years. And the idea that, you know, we should we should use the tax system to punish certain people and to reward others, I think, um, is, is one of the reasons. You know, you, you Democrats sort of have this view that you need to have the rich pay more their fair share as they say, and that you need to use it to help people out. And and because of that, you're not getting that broad uh, support and you're not getting a broad uh, tax cut for everybody. You know, it's it's very, it's always been very, very targeted, which I think is a shame. I mean, this is this is the money we earn, everybody in America. And, and wouldn't it be great for everybody to be able to get a little more of their own money back and to spend and, and help the economy? So Jason, talk about... I know when you start out trying to uh, give tax relief to corporate America, um, 
obviously somebody came to the realization, but you may be doing it at the expense of small business owners. So you got to balance that out. Talk about how um, people will be able to build upon their business infrastructure, create job opportunities, and do more than they've been able to do before. Well, yeah, one of the big changes is that for pass-through businesses, right? So these are basically small businesses that file through the individual tax code because they're so small. They're not this isn't Amazon, this isn't GE. These are small businesses, family businesses that we all know and love in our neighborhoods. Um, a lot of them file through the individual tax code. They're essentially going to be capped at a 25% income tax rate instead of the current individual top rate of 36% or something like that. So, you know, with that, that that's 10% more of their income that they can use to, uh, you know, lower their prices or uh, hire new workers. Uh, and when you hire new workers, you're going to get a better product or a faster product or a cheaper product. So, uh, you know, all around, that, that's going to be a great deal for, for small businesses that are going to be able to grow and hire more people. What about the, um, these major universities, especially these Ivy League schools, who have strong endowments? The tax code is going to change for endowments and it's going to change for graduate students. You know, one of the things that was sort of incredible about the way that the Senate tax bill was passed was how many little pet projects and such were put in to get people's votes. And, you know, you, you, you remind me of one of them. So yes, universities with large endowments are now going to have to, um, you know, pay an increased tax except for one. And that is Hillsdale College in Michigan. And what's incredible, it was actually Pennsylvania Senator Pat Toomey who got this, uh, you know, put in. Now, of course, this isn't the final bill yet. It's got to be reconciled. Maybe it won't end up in the final version, but it's kind of incredible that a Pennsylvania senator gets a tax break for a conservative Michigan college to secure his vote. And, you know, I don't know if I if I'm if I'm, you know, one of these if I'm a senator, they're, they've all their, their votes have become so powerful because the Republican majority is so narrow. I'm surprised not every single senator said, hey, I want something out of this, too. Um, but isn't that the problem? It is the problem. And that's why, you know, it's 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 a little concerning when you hear that, hey, we're, we've got this new tax on universities. It's going to affect them. Why does one get get left out, you know, if it's, if it's, if it's bad for, for universities and that's why they're exempting Hillsdale, why, why are they doing it to everybody else then? Because it really sends the wrong message. It does. It does. And that's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of incredible. And, and, you know, they, they, because they wanted to, to cut taxes, they needed to, tr- they wanted to try and find a way to not make it wow. too expensive. So their solution was, Hey, let's, let's raise taxes on, 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 you know, some, some people, some groups instead of, I mean, really that this is pretty small change compared with how much we spend on entitlements every year. I mean, if they wanted to save money for a tax mm-hmm. cut, that's where they should have looked. But of course, uh, neither party, unfortunately, wants to tackle entitlement. So instead, you get you know these these changes that are going to harm uh, universities and, and some of them that are going to hurt grad students. You know, I may ask questions that you may not be able to answer. That's okay. But how will veterans be affected, given how their benefits were before versus how they would be under this tax structure? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a veterans expert. That's a good question that I don't know all the answers to. But, uh, you know, I, again, I, I just think that when it comes to, to everyone, that they're going to see the same kind of job growth and opportunities that everyone else will. So, um, you know, hopefully there will be a, a focus from employers on hiring veterans. I mean, they, they deserve work. We know that they have great experience and great discipline from their military experience. So, so you know, I was really I was asking about the benefits. But, but I, you know, I, what I really want to ask you about is where they're really having challenges is with the mortgage industry. 
industries mm-hmm. in the real estate industry that really have a problem. They capped it from a million to a half million in terms of the write-off. I don't see I, how. No, so go ahead. Go, go ahead. Go, please. Oh no, I I, I have uh, you know this is one of the th- I have strong feelings on this one. This oh, is good, one, one of the ones that bothers good, me. Good. So. It bothers me that, you know, again, we're talking about the tax code helping some people at the expense of others. So I'm a journalist, not the, the best paid profession, or, you know, poorly paid journalist in Washington, D.C., one of the most expensive cities in the country. I can't afford to buy a place. I just I simply can't. So I and others like me, other young single people, youngish single people, uh, are subsidizing people who can afford to buy homes. Now, who can afford to buy homes? Yes, there are some people, um, you know, in in, in cities are a lot more affordable on, on the lower end of the scale. But on the whole, people who have money can afford to buy homes. So why are you know young uh, people with less money subsidizing the home ownership for for the the few that can afford it? And I, I mean, yes, they, they dropped the, the cap from uh, one million to five hundred thousand, but I mean why do we have this at all? You know, it's 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 kind of incredible. Why should some people be subsidizing others. And this to me is, is a case where it's really clearly the the haves who are really benefiting from this. But, you know, you you're, you mentioned the real estate industry, you know, it, there's a lot of lobbyists that, that because uh, they talked about getting rid of this, but the lobbyists, they, they visited the, uh, you know, they were on Capitol Hill and made sure that that did not get eliminated. And that's, it's, 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 it's bothers so, me. So, so, Jason, is this like affordable care all over again? The young people paying for sick people? And now in the real estate market, the young people are subsidizing the rich? Well, yeah, I think you see that in a lot of ways. And I think uh, in some ways you may actually see this tax bill might, uh, you know, exacerbate that a little bit because right now we're seeing, uh, you know, the standard deductions at $6,000. So uh, most young, low-income people are the ones claiming that deduction, Um, whereas the ones, you know, itemizing and claiming all the, you know, little carve-outs and things like you see like that are the wealthier, higher-income people. So, uh, you know, when you raise that standard deduction up to $12,000, you know, maybe that, you know, brings up some middle class people into also just claiming the standard deduction rather than itemizing. But still, it's going to be more likely that uh, fewer and f- sorry, fewer and fewer lower income people are going to itemize and more and more wealthy people are going to be the ones claiming those deductions and carve outs. That, that pastor that you're talking about, that's a lot of paperwork. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's a, that is really burdensome. You know, I, I think one of the things we really needed to find because I was um, intrigued by what Kelly Jane was saying. I couldn't stop smiling. <laughs> Let us define in terms of income bracket. What is the poor? What is the middle class? And what is wealth? Yeah, and that's uh, there's no strict numbers that you know the government sets out for those. But something that's interesting you'll see is that you know even Barack Obama was saying, you know, declaring that any family that earns less than two hundred thousand dollars was a middle class family, right? And the median income is something like fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year for a household. Well, let me define so, this. Let me define this for you. Okay, the middle class is anyone making between forty and eighty thousand dollars a year. Anybody making less than $40,000 a year is considered the lower class. Now, is that, that, uh, is that nationwide? Yes. Because that's interesting because, you know, the cost of living can be yeah. very different. Oh, I'm going to get to the okay. jurisdiction. <laughs> it's very okay. important. That's exactly right. Demographics are very important. This Now, if you make $100,000 or more, you're considered wealthy in the United States. Wow. You're in my tax bracket. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Which is, that means I'm in the highest tax bracket. It's just a, I'm in the 396 percent tax bracket. If you're making over 100 grand, you're paying the same kind of taxes that I pay, which is 
insane. Yeah. Now, and a hundred thousand goes goes doesn't go very far in D.C. Or New York, and it goes a lot for exactly. But you know, it goes but if you're in Alabama, exactly. in Michigan, where you born, uh, uh, Detroit, mm-hmm. it goes a long way. Yeah. And you have to really consider that. All, well, what about the state and local taxes? Salt, which is another big issue. Mm-hmm. Talk about that, Jason. Well, yeah, no, that, that's an instance I think of again the the lower income areas and or of the country basically subsidizing the wealthier areas. Look at California, New York. Those are the places that have those big state and local tax burdens. And so essentially, you know, Wyoming, Alabama, those areas that don't have high income taxes in their states. Um, you look at Texas, Florida, uh, Washington State even doesn't have an income tax. Those areas are basically subsidizing California, New York, because they just happen to elect politicians who want to have those high income tax rates. Now, I don't think because, uh, you know, just because New Yorkers want to have high income taxes and politicians that like high income taxes, I don't think Washington State and Texas and Florida and everyone else should have to pay for those. But, it, but you know, it is, the argument is, should, should you know, you be taxed twice in a way. If you, if you can't deduct, you know, what you're paying in state and local taxes, aren't you sort of paying tax twice? And that's the same argument with the inheritance tax. uh, But I'm still, you know, I'm still taxed for sales taxes in my states, and I still pay income taxes on top of that. Um, You know, think of all the other... Everybody pays taxes. There's there's a lot of other examples where that kind of thing just flies by. Uh, You know, look at, you know, my other federal taxes. There are corporate taxes, and, you know, that passes on through me through the higher prices that corporations have to pay. So, uh, in a way, I'm taxed on that, even though I'm still paying my income taxes as well. So, so you you do believe that the tax... Tax laws, that's the, the tax bill that's passed, is less sensitive to young people. Now, I'm going to throw another dagger into this. You know, Capitol Hill is run by your generation. Now, the lawmakers may get the credit. They may be the faceplate. But it's your generation that write the legislation. I can sit and talk to a member of Congress and get not even knee deep, surface deep. And they're clueless is about mm. what is in in the bill. Mm-hmm. I don't actually think they read the bills. Yeah. Really, I don't. So why don't you think it reflects more of the kind of issues that you talked about today in terms of how you feel you're subsidizing those that can afford it? Yeah, it is it's disappointing, isn't it? And, and you're right. It's it's one of the things I think a lot of Americans don't realize about Washington, D.C. is that it's run by young. It's not the congressmen are not going to the meetings, sitting down, working Passion on up. that stuff. No, yeah. it's their, their young aides and, and assistants. And no, it's, a, it's an excellent question. Yeah, why are they? they doing something that's actually harmful for, to them. And I think part of it is, I mean, direction does come from the top. So they 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 write this stuff, but they're kind of given like, okay, we want a bill that's going to do this. And, mm-hmm. you know, the president himself made made a lot of comments about what he wanted to see in the bill and what he didn't want to see in the bill. And they have to take that into account. And the other thing, of course, is, as we mentioned, the lobbyists, uh, you know, every interest group uh, has has its lobbyists that come in. And and so, you know, maybe uh, you've got an idealistic young aide who, who, who you know, uh, agrees with my point that uh, you know uh, non homeowners shouldn't subsidize homeowners, but then you've got all these people from from the real estate industry uh, and and others. Uh, you know, banks, of course, also the, the more homes they sell, uh, if they've got the mortgage, they're they're in, earning money on interest. So there's a lot of groups that uh, that that want to encourage it, and they come in and and, and visit the congressmen, and and uh, they get their they get what they want sometimes put in the the, the bill. So it's so much that behind the scenes that that goes on. And and that's I mean that's the interesting thing you you know people say well President Trump why doesn't he you know he wants this bill why doesn't he just do this well because there's so much going on in every congressional office behind mm-hmm. the scenes. Well, do you think the president has said that this tax bill is really bad for him? 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, we don't we don't know because he hasn't released his tax returns, which I get. I understand. I don't, it's not a huge deal to me personally that he hasn't done that. But, um, you know, at the same time, it, it is going to be, you know, kind of bad, I think, for higher income people. You know, if you're, uh, you know, there's a lot of changes going on there that uh, I think will be interesting to see. So, um is it going to be as bad as he says? I don't know. I don't. We'll see. But uh, well, not not really switching topics here. Yeah. Why do you think of all this legislation that was before Congress in two thousand seventeen that this is their only legislative victory? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think it it, it works. I'm going to say, you know, why this one worked and why other ones didn't work. Uh, it's because they were unified from the start, right? Everyone agreed that taxes needed to be reformed. And even the Republican senators that were, you know, centrists and moderates, they agreed that tax reform needed to pass. Whereas I think there were some moderate Republicans who didn't, don't want to see Obamacare repealed anymore. Uh, even if they campaign on it, when it comes to how they actually want to vote, they don't want to vote to repeal Obamacare. But when it came to this, it was a unified front. You know, the, the House and the Senate and the White House leadership came together. They built this framework together. They said, yes, we'll not, we don't need to narrow down every single detail right now, but these are the big issues that we all agree on, and we're going to move forward with that together on a united front. I, I think part of it might have also been a bit of desperation, oh, right? The, they needed, the yeah, they needed a win. Uh, they needed something this year that they could point to as a legislative accomplishment. And after campaigning for seven years on repealing and replacing Obamacare, they utterly failed to do it. And they needed something to do. And I think that is a big reason why it passed is that, you know, you had Republicans, I think, who some of whom were, were, were uncomfortable with some aspects of the bill. But, you know, they thought if we don't do this, we've got nothing. So what happens to one of the questions I'm often asked is what happens to their health care and their premiums? How does the tax bill impact this? Yeah, that'll be something interesting to see because with the repeal of the individual mandate, we're not really sure. But I think um, what you will see is that there will be some people who will say, you know, before I had to buy health insurance and that's why I bought it. Um, and now, you know, even if I would like it to be cheaper, I'd rather just not have it. So I, I think you'll see, you know, some insurers try to bring down prices because they'll say, well, you know, now no one's required to buy my product. I have to bring down prices to actually uh, get people to want to buy health insurance. So uh, when you do that, then you're going to see more competition and hopefully that'll bring down prices. Another very important question. I, I say this and I say it with emphasis. The tax bill is passed. How do people begin to directly benefit? Some people think that they, they do they benefit immediately in 2018? How does it impact them moving forward? You know, a lot of these are over time, you know. Triggers. Yes, yeah, so things phased in over 10 mm -hmm. years. And, um, and of course, we don't know yet exactly what's going to be in the final product because the House and Senate have to reconcile their versions, which are, have some, some so, differences. But we know the tax rate is going to be reduced from yes. 35 to 20. That will take effect on January 1st, 2018. Yeah, I know, assuming they pass it before Christmas. But yes. Yeah. Um, and they will and pass that's, and that's Something you'll see in your first paycheck in 2018, I think, assuming you know your your HR department adjusts their withholding or whatever, um, you know, you might not see it jump up right away. But um, you know, if your health and care premiums are going up as well, then maybe you won't necessarily see a change at all. Um, but that change and that effect should come in that first paycheck. At the same time, you're going to see it in the stock market. So if you have stocks, or if you're even if you don't have stocks personally, but your pension fund is involved in stocks, um, that's something that I think you'll see jump up, especially. With 
when it becomes more and more sure that this is going to get passed. Because every time that uh, you know we've seen this get, become more in jeopardy, we've seen the stock market just fall a lot by hundreds of points. Um, whereas you know slowly over time, it's been going up. I think because there's a lot more confidence when these tax cuts are going to go, and it will not impact anyone's IRA. I don't think so. No. That's my, my no. It will not impact no. IRA. No, I don't believe so. I think there's they some left it alone. Yeah. There, there yeah. was a, such a backlash. There was. That yeah. was a yeah. huge. Uh, there was a huge backlash on that. And you know, you you, you did have to think why would uh, why would Republicans want to discourage people from from privately saving for yeah. their retirements? Right. I mean, because they're they more to, dependent on Social Security. Why? Because they need to pay. <laughs> the somebody, somebody has to pay for this deficit. Hmm. Exactly, the money has yeah. to come from somewhere. Social welfare is not off, welfare is not off the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Trump is saying that he wants welfare reform to be his next big project and that's something I would like to see and um, you know I think there's a smarter more sensible way to do welfare and in a way that you can do it by saving more taxpayer money Um, you know one of the big problems you mentioned at the very beginning was that this is going to be a 1.4 1.5 trillion dollar tax cut that's an increase to the deficit so you know no one wants to increase the deficit so you have to follow that up with some kind of spending reforms now will welfare reform you know cut spending by a trillion dollars probably not but um, at least around the edges you can do a better job of saving taxpayer money and getting people encouraging people on welfare to get back to work rather than just having them live off welfare forever. Is there anything we needed to say that we did not say today before we wrap this? Kelly Jane, anything? The only thing I can think of is it was kind of shocking in a way, though, how what happened at the very end, you know, they got past at two in the morning and there were handwritten amendments. And, you know, some people are still trying to figure out what they say. So, you know, it's hard to read the writing sometimes. And it is it is a little bit shocking that that something, you know, so important is done in what seems to be a bit of a haphazard manner. Now, of course, they're going to you know go through and when they That's reconcile. But done. but, you know, it's uh, it's it's it's. Uh, it's a little bit, uh, you know, when, when Republicans made fun of Nancy Pelosi for saying you got to pass a bill to see what's in it, mm-hmm. I think they should maybe think about how they're passing bills and, she and spoke how that's... She the truth, actually, if you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, she was literally talking about, they don't know what's in it. Yeah. Because there's yeah. so many agendas. Yeah. you got to Yeah, you no, and it's got to be bill. reconciled yeah, yes, with the two yeah. houses. So, you know... Uh, and the reconciliation is what gives them the simple majority so yeah. they can pass it without Democratic um, input. Um, you, you know, you, you... What about Corker's grandstanding hours on the floor yeah no i mean to to, to me he just kind of seems like someone who's tired of being in the senate yes, wants to yes. throw bombs and yes you know is really not enjoying being there anymore i'm not saying he should leave right away but uh you know at least don't burn all your bridges on your way out you, you can be a man a statesman and a, and a nice man rather than just uh you know being whiny and complaining the whole time that's true although i mean it's i i think though his his point about hey i don't want to add to the deficit. That's an important point. And uh, I, I think that, you know... None of them want to add to the deficit. It, no, right. no, but they're, they're willing to do it because nobody is willing to, to do what it takes, which is look at entitlements. Right. And so I, I think, though, that this is something like, hey, let's let's not forget, though. This 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 may spur some growth. This may do this. But let's just not forget it's going to cost cost money and we, we may be paying for that down the road. Anything you wanted to say? I, look at also at the charitable deduction. That's one of my favorite deductions. And yes, you're going to see fewer people claiming that when you double the standard deduction. Something I would have liked to see have seen is, you know, make that uh, a deduction that you can claim even if you don't itemize. Because I think uh, giving to charity is really important, not just economically, but also culturally. You know, that should be a a culture that the government encourages people to give into, uh, to to help others, not through government, but through your own personal giving. Your website address, how people can learn more about you. WashingtonExaminer.com. WeeklyStandard.com. That's simple. Don't forget to subscribe to our all-new podcast. 
the strong cast on iTunes and drop us that five-star rating. You can hear more from Kelly Jane and Torrance and Jason Russell on this week's episode of the strong cast. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of strong cast boy. Jason, I told you they're tough. Kellyanne, they were tough. They're good. They know their stuff. That's why we keep having them on. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the show today on iTunes and check out all our episodes. You can learn more about the Strongcast at what else? www.armstrongwilliams.com slash strongcast. This week's episode of the Strongcast has been brought to you by United Security Financial Group. 